For January 29th, 2024, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 813. What is the orange theory anyway? What is the orange theory anyway? Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, though we're not friends this week. We're very (laughs) adversarial. We're going to break you down before we build you back up again. Maggots, that's Pete Fenzel. Say, hey, Pete. Hi, maggots. (laughs) The first and last words out of your filthy, stinking holes is going to be Pete. Pete. Yes, Pete. Hi. Yes, Pete. Pete. Yes, Pete. Pete. (laughs) Um, That's that's Pete Fensel. I'm Matt Rather. Hey, Pete, it's a it's a storied two hander. And you know what? I think uh, I think we. We need to go to boot camp. I think we got to go. Why would you say that, man? After all these years, you feel like we still don't have the basic necessary <laughs> skill and and, uh, and expertise and motivation to accomplish this task we have to accomplish. Well, no, Pete. It's because I I read in USA Today that men are Ooh. going to men are going to boot camps to quote reclaim and quote their masculinity. And I've right. I've I claimed once I think at the time that I was born or maybe when I you know became pubescent, but like uh, have not reclaimed. Oh my! My masculinity. Yeah, no, you have to file it twice. It's like confirmation. You have oh, to go get. You have to go get masculated again. <laughs> That's yeah. That is true. What are the What are the things like? What are the things like that? Like a marriage license. You know, you got to go. You got to file for it. You got to go to the 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 county clerk's office or something. Get pick it up. But then yep. it has to be like solemnized and 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 signed you know sealed and delivered and that's uh yeah that's are there other things in life that are that are two-step like that where uh you know you you must claim and reclaim your marriage license just as i i think i must claim and reclaim my masculinity well there's a lot that has to do with cars right (laughs) because it's like oh you get your driver's license you get your learner's permit then you get your driver's license or you know you get your driver's license but then you get when you can rent a car or there's like, oh, I'm going to get the title, right? Like you buy the car and then you get the title later. That's actually uh, so true. Guess, like you get your yeah. – I, I don't know how they do it in Massachusetts. Here we have like a, a sticker that has a year on it that tells you that you've paid your registration for that year. So you pay your registration oh. and then and then you get the sticker that you stick on and it says, you know, 2024 on it this year. Yep. Uh, yep. Or, or like um, – I like that you get your driver's license and they print it out on a piece of paper but then like send away for the photo – for the photo yep. one, or like you, you buy a car and the like the lien holder, the whoever is financing your your car has the title, but then you get the title. Yeah, there are a lot of automotive yeah. like claim and reclaim um, uh, kinds of things. I guess like paying five cents for the the plastic bottle and then uh, getting that back when you recycle when you bring it back to the store to recycle. Like yeah. there's that's that's a claim oh, yeah. and, and reclaim. It's a rite of passage, you know? Matt. It really is. It's a redemption. It's just a way of really. It's a redemption. Have that's you been, exactly what it is. Have Road you been to redeemed? redemption right there. Have you been we I, not only have I been redeemed, I have a plastic bag full of redemption just waiting in my dining room right now to be brought to the redemption store this week. <laughs> Have you, uh, but have you been re-redeemed? <laughs> because you got to do it twice. <laughs> you might That's be deemed. You have thing. to deem a second time, and then you can deem deem a third time. Yeah, but I, I'm sorry, Pete. We're getting we're getting off track. We gotta we gotta whip these maggots <laughs> into shape. Maggots.
Everyone's a maggot. It, it, everyone's obsessed with Lamarckian evolution and spontaneous generation. It's all just, oh man, if I just put a bunch of stuff in a room for a while, I'll get maggots. It's my That's favorite scene. It's my favorite scene in, uh, in you know, Full, Met- Full Metal Jacket, right? Where right. Arlie Ermey just starts talking to a big side of beef, you know, that's just hanging there in the barracks, a giant side of beef, no refrigeration, <laughs> no nothing. He starts saying, hey, maggots, uh, <laughs> you know, only two things come out of Texas, steers and another thing. And this is a steer because it's a side yeah. of beef. And But then the maggots come and it's like, ah, I've spontaneously generated you maggots. We're going to make Marines <laughs> out of you. <laughs> So I feel like for today, we were inspired by this USA Today article to talk about boot camps, but not the kind in the military, which, of course, we've never gone to, but the like fan fiction-y boot camps, which we probably have got to in various respects, uh, I guess, in tribute to these man camps in this article, which just sound a little bit horrifying. Uh, I mean, like, it doesn't sound that different from just doing a Tough mutter. I guess you're there for like a whole weekend and I guess you're there for a stated emotional purpose, which like probably means that you're doing the opposite of the thing that you went to go for. While yeah, like, I, like, dude, like, well, sorry, I, I have a lot to, to say about yeah. about this particular topic. But yeah, it seems like it seems like there's like, uh, you know, it seems like there's physical challenges during the day and like crying at night over, I don't know, like reclaiming your I just call re- that device. And that is Tuesday, man. That's just how I live. That's just how I live. <laughs> Well, I went to my God. I went to theater school, right? Like we yeah. we cried during the day and the night. That was yeah, the yeah. you know uh, that was the thing. I am interested in 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 this idea because I think the people going to this uh, to this sort of experience have probably not been in the military either, right? Like uh, I think if you've had this this experience with real mortal stakes, right, it, you're probably not hungry to cosplay it. Uh, in in the form of you know some kind of like uh some kind of yeah some kind of like weekend long tough mutter. There are different versions of tough mutters or Spartan races, aren't there? Like there's like a oh, like yeah. a five k a ten k and a half marathon one with like you know uh, I don't know like uh, ten volt shocks, a hundred volt shocks, and a thousand volt shocks or something. <laughs> I, that's probably yeah. the, you know, the high probably... voltages. They go to extremely low amperages. That's really what it's all about. You just you ask them how much amperage you can have. You give them an amperage right. and you get to divide it. Wait, hold on a minute. That's it. no, that's it. Yeah. that's exactly yeah, that's exactly right for a, for a yeah. given wattage. And like I, you know, I've learned this now that I'm weightlifting. Right, like if if you're working on strength, you want a very high voltage but low amperage. <laughs> but if you're working on hypertrophy, you know, you want uh, you want low voltage but very high amperage. Right, and really uh, really shock yourself to uh, to fatigue. But uh, focus on the eccentric phase of uh, of shocking yourself. Because yeah. that's uh, you know that's where the the hypertrophy happens. Yeah. Pete, when when did we start pronouncing the word eccentric as eccentric? Like when did fitness influencers convince us that we don't know basic English that we've been been speaking? All I've been an eccentric all of my life. You know, uh, maybe I need to reclaim my masculinity by going to a boot camp. Fair enough. I don't know why you use the word we. I've never said eccentric. Now I have. So I guess it's we. So there you go. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so I guess the answer is just now. Just now have we have we truly begun to pronounce it this way. 
Um, yeah, I mean, again, maybe it's because we're all e-centric because we are writing e-bikes and sending emails and things like that. <laughs> uh, but okay, so the idea behind a boot camp, right, is that there's something wrong with you that you have <laughs> you have. So because here, because I mean, again, I said I don't really want to talk about military boot camps. Obviously, we haven't gone, but I feel like a at least a baseline acknowledgement of what a military boot camp is trying to accomplish, at least from a surface level, is like worth noting, right? Which is that like you're not taking somebody who is supposedly already doing the thing, right? Like, like, like an, a training, an initial training camp is a, at least notionally for people who aren't already trained in the thing that you're training them in, right? Like, like it's, sure. it's like a boot, the boot camp is, we looked this up uh, before, before the, the podcast that boot camp comes from sort of a, a word for sailors boots for like rookie sailor shoes, not from sort of thick, heavy army boots uh, as we might, as we might assume. And is a but term it's the boots, for the like boot, the boot in boot camp is not the boots that you wear on your feet. Or uh, originally it was the boots that you, that you wore on, on your feet, but it, it now is a slang for a new recruit into a, you know, into a, what a hierarchical organization, like a, a, a fire department, a police department, a, a military service, et cetera. So you're, like, you're of like 1915 that yeah. was the slang term and then like but i still think now people hear boot camp and they think big heavy boots and that a boot camp is a thing that you go to where you wear really heavy shoes or you have some sort of heavy shoe experience and it changes you in some way and i just i just wanted to acknowledge that a lot of the things that people do for boot camps are things that they're already doing you know right? Pete, like, this they, is something like, that we did in in uh, drama school actually you know because okay. wearing wearing the shoes of the character is one mm-hmm. of the best ways to kind of get a physical f- characterization going oh, and so okay like for real Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's one. It's one of those things that actually is is like totally real. We all carried leather soled shoes with us because, like, every everyone is like, you can't do check off and wear sneakers at the same time. Those things are are anathema. And it's true if you wear like a a, a heavier leather soled shoe, you're unlikely to kind of bounce or shift or like move in in a more contemporary way. If you wear right. uh, if you wear a high heel as a woman, like you're you're going to move in a different way that is uh, perhaps more appropriate to uh more appropriate to the character that that you're trying to play and like you know in terms of creating physical characterization so like i think there is like a costuming thing to the boots right you start to wear the boots you start to you start to walk like a boot wearer you know you start right. to uh to lick like a boot licker you start to uh <laughs> you know you you start to like i, I think it probably you start, you start to you start to flower like a boutonniere right? <laughs> <laughs> boot boot near or boot far all we know is we're going to boot boot camp um that that sorry pete i i uh i talked to you so so i i uh sorry I do, pete i talked to you got it i talked to you i i know my job is mostly to listen to you oh come but, on man but the, i'm sorry that was just too easy it was hanging right right there like a boot hanging from its laces on uh you know off of uh off of a peg or something like that but what uh what happened you know what what happens in boot camps i mean i think there is a training component i think there is a probably like a physical conditioning component but mo- mostly there is an indoctrination component and i say that that word with no no negative connotations right it it is sort of about uh, inducting you into membership in into a larger 
uh, into a larger group, right? Like the idea of being a boot is that you're, you're always a boot in a context, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're never what, like one boot is no, you know, is no, uh, use by itself, you know, right? Like, uh, you don't, you don't, no one says I am a pair of shoes of one. Uh, and that's not a, that, that just would not be, you know, you'd walk in, in circles for all the time. You're always a boot in, in the context of a larger hierarchy and kind of bringing you into that, that hierarchy is kind of the main social function of, uh, you know, of that sort of experience of that sort of like induction, indoctrination, um, experience and, you know, also kind of like fusing, fusing kind of team, uh, a, a team together to get you used to kind of forming and, and, um, forming and reforming teams. Right. I think that those are, those are some like basic functions of, of, uh, of that sort of thing. And it's like, it's very, very different in the cosplay version where it's, it's kind of like, it really is, you know, sort of, I'm an army of one. Like I'm a man, I'm a masculine man of one because I, I went and like, you know, I don't know, crawled under some razor wire in the mud or something like that, uh, in order to reclaim my masculinity. Like what, what, how you click, was it taken away? And so you have to, you know, you, you have to reclaim it. Is it because you are a, a, like a software engineer answering to female product managers and you feel like this is not worthy of you somehow and and the the solution to this is that you have to to crawl crawl in the mud uh under some racer wire <laughs> that's that uh, you know but it doesn't it it's not necessarily about forging a team it's not about indoctrinating you into uh, in inducting you into a um into a, a unit it's not about kind of socializing you within the context of a particular hierarchy within a, a particular organization it's about kind of making you feel something intense that then you take with you in your uh in your separateness you know in your kind of individuality and you can say that you've like you've done this thing so it's more like i don't know like what running a running a race or more 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 like a different kind of accomplishment than completing a a military boot camp which you know i don't know which which again like uh not uh, nor pete nor i have 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 done and uh we're not um yeah really qualified to t- to talk about to talk about that uh but the i don't know the cosplay the cosplay version seems fundamentally different in kind to me you know what i mean yeah yeah and it's interesting to hear them described as such i would say that another word that comes to mind is of course another military word which is of course not being used in its military context either which is the word retreat <laughs> you know that yeah. uh cuz there's there's two i think of two different sorts of events that when I'm looking at this men going to boot camps USA Today article, I'm thinking about, of course, I at one point ran a bunch of adventure races, which have a lot of similar um, aesthetic and poetry to them, right? Uh, as 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 the whole like, oh, you need to go challenge yourself. You're joking about crawling under the razor wire. I mean, I did that stuff for a while. I think we talked about it a bunch of times, right? I think the longest one I ever did is I did the Spartan end of season beast at Killington and they extended it by surprise to 18 miles. And it took me like 11 hours or something crazy like that. Um, and I mean, I've got scars on my hands and arms from barbed wire and stuff. And it was a. It was obviously a different time that I that I was doing things like tough mutters and stuff like that. I think part of it was that you have trained yourself physically mostly for your own health, but you've sort of come to enjoy 
the physical training, but now you're going to see, oh, can I have I actually built up a physical physical capacity that I could then transpose into real world situations, which then become fantasy situations, right? And then you run a couple of obstacle course races and you have fun and you're like, oh, it's fun to run an obstacle course race, uh, and uh, and so on and so forth. But by the end of them, I was definitely done with the sadism. You know, I had I had I had really enjoyed the obstacle course race component, but I was definitely done with the like you have to crawl under barbed wire. There's no reason for the wire to be barbed. Like, just don't just crawl under regular wire. Right. Right. But I mean, that's, it's not, that's not true. There's no reason. There is a reason because you are trying to overcome, you know, fear and you're trying to deal with a kind of physical presence there. And, uh, and it's exciting, you know, it's, it's, it's for pleasure. Um, and for, for general state of arousal and all that. But once you've done it a few times, I don't really I didn't really feel anything special about doing it other than that. It was like, I don't want to accidentally stand up a little bit and get another cut on my arm. Yeah. Right. Like in, in the mud. Right. Which is not a great place where you want to cut your arm. Actually, pop quiz, Matt, at, the, at least I don't know if this is still current, but at the time where I was doing adventure races in the early 2010s, uh-huh. I think that's about when it was. What do you think was the most dangerous obstacle? At the obstacle course races, these are at like the Tough Mudders, Spartan Beasts, and that stuff. Was it one where you like jumped off a high thing, maybe? Yes, but it also combined with one other thing. You're totally right. It was jumping off of a high thing, but what high specific thing can you think of that would be uh, extra dangerous? Like off a ladder or off like a, off a wall into into a, a mud puddle or something. Into water, dive, uh, high dive, jumping onto water. It was okay, the most it. dangerous thing. Uh, swimming. Is the most dangerous thing that you did at the uh, at sure. Tough Mudders, uh, which I just always remember. Like, uh, well, because there was a thing where it would be muddy water and you couldn't see, so people would go down and they wouldn't come up, and so some people would some people died doing that, and that you know they had to change it and stuff. But the point being that like I went there, I did the whole test yourself thing. You know, you have a big adventure day, you work really hard, you have you drink at night, you had fun. Um, I wouldn't call it a boot camp. No, because I wouldn't think of it. I mean, it has a sort of personal and social component, but the thing you're doing is is being considered as an activity in itself, right? We're not right. as it's, subordinate to the. Per- I mean, I guess it's tough mutter because you're tough, but like not really. No, it's you a know, thing in it's, it's yeah. a thing in itself. It's not. It's not primarily for its for its instrumental benefit. I'm like I'm struck. I hate to be etymology guy, right? Oh, like no. uh, for for a while on the podcast, I was poem guy. Um, you know what? If you can keep your head while well, all around, never mind. The uh, <laughs> the uh, the word adventure, right, for, mm. is uh, Latin ultimately for like um, come to. Venire uh, is venia venire is come, and odd means means to. So like something coming to, which which uh, comes to me like come to pass, like a uh, an occurrence, an event, a happening, something that comes to pass. And then like, um, and then an adventure is like something that happens to you sort of by chance or kind of your, your, your fortune or something like that. And so to like, to venture out or to go on an adventure is to sort of seek your fortune. And it, it strikes me that, that that is opposed to the idea of retreat. Adventure is mm. going out and retreat is kind of like drawing in and that like, uh, um, that the the way you're describing adventure races is definitely a a going out to have a happening right yes. and that the happening is the is the point the occurrence uh the event is the point and then i think that like like talking about you know masculinity camp is more more along the lines of a a retreat right because it's sort of i don't know it's it's the opposite of an adventure but because you kind of know 
you sort of know what you want the point to be already, right? The point of an adventure is that like something will, something will happen to you. Some, some hero's journey will happen to you, uh, that will change you in ways that are, that are unexpected. That will, you know, that will make you the master of two worlds. And in, in a, in like masculinity camp, it strikes me that like, uh, you, you have a pretty good idea of how you want to be changed. <laughs> You know, um, and that that like that that is a, a a fundamentally different state to approach an experience to to approach a uh, you know a weekend's worth of fun activities with than the idea of uh, of an adventure that might I don't know that that might surprise uh, and change you in in an unexpected way. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It, so when I think about this stuff, it is funny that it's a retreat that they have to reframe as an advance. Because retreating isn't masculine enough. It has to be a boot camp because uh, I mean, that's, the, a, that's a 30 Rock joke. That's like yeah. Alec Baldwin <laughs> being like, it's our NBC retreat to go forward. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Because I at one point was fairly into Robert Bly stuff. Because I, I mean, I don't know. Did you have a period? Uh, we joked about it, but did you have a period of crisis of masculinity where you tried to kind of uh, come to terms with or understand your relationship with your gender and your expression of your gender a little um, bit? Is I that mean, something that happened to you? I started, well, I like Pete, two things. One is I started weightlifting in my mid forties. So okay, uh, like, so it, so it has begun. My, <laughs> we are yeah, admitted. But, well, no, I, it's, it's really like, my goal is injury prevention. <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my, my goal is like, please don't let anything bad happen to me uh, in my, in my uh, pumping of iron. The other thing, Pete, is that I had long hair for 10 years, right? Mm. So I had a, uh, I, I like, I really was participating in that Fabio masculinity <laughs> and, uh, didn't really, you know, didn't really think of myself as, uh, uh, I, I don't know, thought of, thought of myself as kind of a non-combatant in a lot of yeah. ways in, in the, uh, in the kind of the, the masculinity stakes. Um, yeah. so, but I, you know, I, I like, I come to terms with it more now because I, because I like there, there are things I like about uh, masculinity. There are things that I think are like valuable to society about it. There are things that are not valuable to society when they are uh, uh, exaggerated or kind of deformed or or like focused on in a way that's that's unhealthy. But like properly integrated and like sort of properly used within the context of a of a healthy social organization, it's a very you know it's a it it's a, a glorious part of of the human experience you know, to be enjoyed and, and uh, appreciated alongside all the other kinds of of human experiences. And I guess that that sounds very anodyne, I know, but mm-hmm. that's kind of how I've come to how I've come to understand it in, in a way that I hope neither like, uh, you know, just lionizes it or or uh, denigrates it uh, in ways that are unhelpful. Well, that is very kind. And, and next, I mean, it sounds like you've You've come to terms with it or not, in fact, in full midlife crisis right now. You seem to be. <laughs> I want a BMW 1 Series, the discontinued one. I want a 135i convertible. I want one of those, like, you know, I don't want a muscle car. I want, like, a little a little convertible that, you know, goes real goes real fast. Like, yeah, that's, but that's uh, not a you know. crisis, Matt. You've wanted that car for 10 years. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they were, they were a, making It's just them. an they unwise were... purchase that you haven't made. <laughs> right? Like, it's not no. a Oh, Pete, I, I can get one. I can get one for four grand. It only has 380,000 miles on it. I need it, Pete. I need it for my work. 
Yeah. So so I will say I felt like I went through a crisis like this and we always go through people go through various crises in their lives. But this was closer to a quarter life crisis kind of situation for me where, you know, as a as a dude who was raised with a lot of sisters and and, and did a lot of theater uh, was was and also was like fairly religious. I did not really have a good handle on what I felt about my gender and my gender expression and sexuality and stuff, uh, and kind of went around reading a bunch of things and and kind of learning a bunch of lessons uh, the hard way, uh, making a lot of mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and and one of the things I encountered was the whole drum circle thing. Not that I actually went to any of those retreats, but the, the sort of emergence of the idea of like men going off to the woods mm. uh, to to have like drum circles and talk about their feelings in a way that actually was, you know, contrary to what they could do at any given time. I'm sure that if you and I could go on Twitch right now and just like start a drum circle, <laughs> I mean, I have a couple of drums. I have kids. I have like all these little plastic drums. So you just bust out a drum and just be like, hey, guys, we're going to talk about our masculinity now. We're doing a drum circle. It's not like 1970 when such an idea is like fairly new, right? Like, sure. uh, but I but I read a bunch of Robert Bly then, and so I and I which I was relatively fond of at the time and meant a lot to me. Um, and I and I associate a lot of these these movements that have come up since that have felt like I don't I guess you could call them strong misreadings of Robert Bly, but I mm. I find them offensive, right? Like the um the idea that it's not good enough merely to go on a retreat and talk about your feelings. You know, you also have to uh, while you're at it make sure that you're crawling through mud so that you're proving that you're masculine enough before you talk about your experience of feeling like you always have to prove yourself for no reason. Right? Like, uh, um, and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Right. It's like stuff like the promise keepers. I don't know that, that, if that, uh, takes you back at all, the sort of mobilization of men's movements for political ends where it's like, you know, part of the problem is the instrumentalization of people's identities in this way, right? right. Toward the, toward the, uh, the service of, of a kind of social orders that have particular, not just even generalized, but specific beneficiaries, right? It's like, uh, that's kind of not the point. At least it's not the point, um, in, in, in the Robert Bly stuff I was reading, nor do I think it's particularly the point of a retreat to like emerge from it being like, okay, we're going to Washington. Right? Like, <laughs> we figured out what we're going to do because it's not boot camp. You're not leaving it in a unit, right? Or maybe you are, depending upon what kind of indoctrination you're going through. Um, yeah, it strikes me, right? Like if if adventuring is going out and retreating is going in, and of course this isn't something that's reserved only to men or even only to gender groups, right? Like you know, yoga retreats, improv retreats, sure. go on a work retreat, right? Like you could you could go just to like you know, have a day, right? Like just like go, go for a couple of days and just go think and quiet. Um, these are, these all make sense to me. Uh, they don't make sense as boot camps, I guess, because of, uh, I, mean, I guess you're trying to come out of it changed, but you're also kind of, yeah, you're trying to find something that's already there. You're, you're trying to understand yourself. I mean, that's, that's well, the, an yeah, interesting, but the thing, I mean, instrumentality is you brought up yeah. the idea of instrumentality and like, we've talked right. about it a little bit in terms of like the, the, uh, the uh, you know the Spartan race as a thing in itself or as an end in itself, right? Versus the you know the uh, cosplay men's boot camp as a as a means uh, to an end, and that's that's like the the idea of instrumentality in boot camps is like foregrounded, you know, in in mm-hmm. authentic boot camps in in sort of uh, uh, morally honest boot camps, right? Like it the the aspect of indoctrination is like you know the group that you're going to be. 
be uh that to become a part of to be sort of inducted into right and that's like that that's part of it but to to have a boot camp have a quote-unquote boot camp without uh really establishing that at the outset like wait wait who, who's running the like who who controls this llc that i'm writing out my check to <laughs> You know, and what what are their uh, what are their aims, right? Like, there's there's a part of it that can that can really go off the rails, uh, really go off the rails uh, very quickly, unless it's it's sort of I don't know to it's it's sort of foregrounded. Um, that's uh, you know, I I I might have derailed, I might have blown you off the rails, Pete. But like, uh, yeah, the the what are the what are the means to the end? Are we marching? Are is the overthinking at boot camp? Are we like training people to 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 march on Washington? Is that what the you know is that what our goal is? You know, are we gonna gonna bring people in and like fill up the fill up the National Mall with like uh uh all of us like chanting like and cosplaying as Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance? <laughs> I feel like I would I would love to do a, a, a movement which you you're, you have a march on Washington and you go to Washington State and you just like <laughs> you don't let on in any of the promotional material that this isn't an accident of some horrible no. kind. <laughs> like we're going to show the people in Washington what we mean and we mean business. We mean so business. So the airport's called SeaTac. <laughs> I put it into Google Maps. I looked it up. We're going we're gonna rafting. Go to we're going we're we're to talk to the people in the swamp. I said <laughs> I saw there was a swamp there, so we're going to go to Tacoma. Wait, yeah, we're going to go rafting to Washington. Yes, we're going to go drain like this. We're going to drain the swamp. We, yes. By which I mean we're going to engage in a public works project to reclaim <laughs> reclaim land for the good people of Washington, right. so that they can expand their cities without you know I don't know fear of their foundations crumbling or whatever. Well, because okay, so there's another dimension of boot camp here which was worth noting, which is that of a physical training exercise. So, like Barry's boot camp. Have you done Barry's boot camp? No, I mean I've done things like that. The the kind right. of like circuit training high intensity interval training but i don't i don't think i have a barry's boot camp near uh near to me yeah i know i do i there is a particular indoctrination like there is a um you know when you're talking about indoctrination there's the social energy of the group wherein you know okay you're going to be trauma bonded you're going to get to know these particular people and be introduced to them in a context. And a big part of what happens through this process is, you know, you sort of adopt a social role in the group. So like they all have these practices, but some have an orange theory, which goes an extra mile. There is an orange really, theory really walking an walking uh, walking distance to me. Also, a training mate, which is the Australian yes. version, because it's like, uh, do your training, mate. Uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> I'm not I joking. Love, I love, no, I'm not. I know, but I'm still laughing. I know you're not joking, but I'm still laughing. Uh, but yeah, but but uh, so yeah, of course, and of course, you know, I do all sorts of you know exercise classes. I did CrossFit for a long time, which of course involves they had onboarding rather than boot camp, and that was like was it six weeks long to do that, and you had to go twice a week at least. And, and that that was a very necessary training. It was the kind of thing where, like, you would assume with something that has such a cultish reputation that the purpose of, like, the four- to six-week onboarding is to, you know, sort of shape your thinking and ideas to kind of, like, get you to meet a bunch of other people and to sort of, like, become accustomed to being a part of the group. My onboarding was, like, at, like, six in the morning, and it was mostly alone. 
and it was entirely like safe weightlifting procedures. Right? <laughs> it was all like, like we are not letting you get into a class if you are going to drop this on your head <laughs> so or if you're like, going to immediately blow your back out. Like you're firing, you know, you're firing uh, uh, um, spines out of your back. Like you're some sort of Pokemon. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what would be a monster. That Welcome would be to like your that. CrossFit onboarding. We're going to make you a, a warrior. We're going to make you a, a just a monster a beast this is gonna be the the baddest osha uh briefing (laughs) that you've ever had first of all do not extend your knees beyond your toes maggots (laughs) your knees will track in line with your big toe and not you know go valgus and not go out you're gonna track and but not and squat you're gonna squat to the level of your comfort <laughs> what is the orange theory i want to know what the theory is oh, i feel imagine, like I, imagine heart rate zones is like green blue yellow orange red uh, oh, the, orange, the orange theory is that you hang out in the orange. So you hang out in the like, let's call it 80 to 85 percent of your theoretical max heart rate. Uh, oh. That's so I, that's I'm gonna the, say, that's I'm the gonna orange re, I'm going to retcon that just for fun and say that the actual orange theory is the idea that we call our our society Anglo, but really all of of English and English speaking American and, and Commonwealth society is really Dutch. <laughs> right, <laughs> like we're all just Dutch by other names, right? Because because of William of Orange and uh, <laughs> it's the William of Orange theory. <laughs> it's the William of Orange theory. The William and Mary theory uh, is <laughs> is the no, but yeah. So it's okay. So it's like a zones thing. Fair enough. That's a little bit boring. That's unfortunate, especially because like they have the little X behind the O. The orange theory that's near me has blacked out windows or like like windows that have that still have frames but have like pieces of opaque white something that are blocking them out. So it looks like a gay bar from 1992. <laughs> like where it's like you can't see anyone coming in or going out. Right. Um and uh uh but no it's I probably just because it's in the middle of a of a strip mall and the sun would just be shining in and everybody would be looking at people and it's not comfortable. But yeah. it is it is right next to Cowabungas which is uh, 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 an indoor play space for children, um, which I think does most of the same thing. But yes, the point being that one of the aspects of boot camps is that by going into this situation where other people are uh, exerting themselves greatly, uh, you will face peer pressure to exert yourself and thus get a better workout, right? Isn't that like the concept? And the idea that there's going to be some sort of lifting of heavy things involved, as well as uh, a particular high-intensity sort of... uh, uh, predisposition to the to the workouts. That's like the idea of a boot camp. Just the portion of it that's exercise. Just the portion of it where it's like, oh, if you if you're too fat to be in the army, you'll go to boot camp and they'll make you skinny. I don't think that's how it works necessarily. Maybe it is. So that's basic, right? Basic and boot camp are different. Again, I was never in the military. No, I, I think, I think basic training is the is the the canonical name for okay. uh, for boot camp, right? Gotcha, the- gotcha, gotcha. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I mean, I think there's a lot to it. The idea that it's hard to maintain high intensity by yourself and it's helpful to be around people when you do these things. But it is funny 
that you do get to that sense of like, oh, these are the people I'm exercising with. And I feel a certain trauma bond that has built with them over time. But like, it doesn't really mean anything, you know? Like, I mean, I guess I say that I married someone from my gym, uh, but not really somebody that I worked out with a lot while we were at the gym before we got together. So, um, but that's, I guess, hardly a, a proviso. Um, but yeah, like how much of it is physical? How, I wonder, they, this is my question for the masculine boot camp. I would understand going on a retreat where you, you, especially now with social media, where again, when, especially now with social media is like a, a cursed beginning of a sentence, but where you might at times feel afraid to speak about, you know, your feelings, particularly about gender for obvious reasons. Um, you know, in that, you know, you probably will say something that will hurt someone's feelings because you're enmeshed in a whole bunch of her feelings and various sorts of nonsense that have extended for many generations before you were born. But also just like in order to, you know, it's just like therapy, you need privacy, right? You need some safety to kind of say things that you may or may not actually mean, you know, and, and also if the whole point is you're trying to get in touch with your feelings, you know, you might need to like not have someone watch you while you pee kind of situation. So you want to like, <laughs> you know, go to a place where you have someone to talk to, but also go to a place where nobody is going to post what you're saying into a pu- public pri- uh, permanent record. Mm. And I would understand going to, going to a retreat to do that. I wonder if the physical activity makes it better or worse. Like, I wonder if that would actually help. Like I went to an improv retreat once uh-huh. and there was morning yoga at the improv retreat. And like, I think I did it once, but I don't know if the morning yoga made the improv retreat any better. I don't think it did. Um, Like, I don't think it mattered, you know, like it was fun. I'm glad I did it. But like, like is the, if you're combining a purpose for a retreat with a physical activity, that's like not essentially linked to the purpose of the retreat. Is that going to, is that actually an addition to the retreat or is like kind of making it mandatory, kind of taking away from what little unstructured time you have and you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that, I think that th- that very often you need a retreat from the retreat. Like you need the yeah. uh, you need the stuff that like uh, or the route, know. as you might call it. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> no, what, go ahead, go ahead. what like um, yeah, I don't know. Like I I think that yoga is well. The, here's a whole. There's a whole other thing, you know, of like, is it really important? Who can build like the tallest Eiffel Tower with straws at your corporate offsite? You know, that that's not a, that that's not a good use of anyone's time at your corporate offsite, right? Like, and, and I mean, Matt, existence precedes essence. It's a good use of your time if you've determined that it's a good use of your time. One must imagine Sisyphus happy, right? <laughs> it's like building the Eiffel Tower out of straws. <laughs> right. That, that like, oh God, uh, the, yeah, what a, what a, what a terrible, what a terrible thing. Yeah. And I, I think mandatory yoga. I mean, I guess if it's an improv group that is somehow yoga based, I suppose your practice of yoga might, you know, uh, might oh, it, wasn't, do some- it wasn't mandatory, by the way. But if you made it mandatory, right? Yeah. Uh, if you force people to do it, if you were like basically like you're going to stretch your mind and you're going to start doing it by stretching your. Yeah, this is this sounds to me like someone in the improv group is like trying to get their yoga teacher certification. And this is a cheap way to get ours. (laughs) You know, that's what that's what I think is going on. I just had an idea for a retreat, (laughs) a therapy retreat that is just like 
it's just like people who just got their social work license getting clinical hours, just compulsory for people who have to talk to them. It's like, you're going to go into the woods for 2,000 hours and you're going to talk <laughs> 2,000 hours straight about all your problems. And I'm going to write those hours down and then I'm going to get my license. Or you can do the super intense Malcolm Gladwell version, which is 10,000 hours. Oh, you, yeah, go, yeah. you go into the woods and don't emerge for five years. Yep. You come back, you know, completely, uh, you know, completely completely feral you know yep. you're you're uh just like you're, william shatner after the enterprise five yeah, year mission come back exactly. you're just frothing at the mouth your hair yeah <laughs> your hair is grown out like your your eyebrows are like you know <laughs> obstructing your vision that uh yeah that's uh that's what that's what that is i you know i don't know i mean i suppose that that like certain things certain things like that can be certain things like that can be good you know i right like there is a there is a thing of again like i i think about acting school which is like the major cult that i that i joined um that uh you know the part of the part of the thing with that is learning to kind of access vulnerability more or less on demand, you know, as you as you want to. And so like being able to do that in a context of people who are also doing the same thing um helps uh a lot. And I, I can see like a role I can see a role for that uh in um in like normal life, I guess. Right. If that's, if that's not something that you're like, you know, main, main partner relationship provides to you, or maybe, maybe you don't have one, or maybe you don't have like a, a sense of group belonging or something like that to kind of, to kind of go and get it, uh, in, in this slightly artificial context, I, I sort of get it. But then the point is like, kind of what happens to that, you know, what happens to that group? You know, it's, it's kind of like, it, it feels like, you know, going off to camp where your like cabin is like, oh my God, you guys, we're going to be the best of friends forever. We're going to just send postcards for the rest of our lives. And like, you know, 36 hours after, uh, after heading back home, you've completely forgotten, completely forgotten everybody's name, right? Like the context, I don't know. I feel like I, more and more I'm coming to, to this idea of like context and instrumentality, you know, the, the, the instrumentality has to do with group membership and the context has to do with group membership. And and in in the absence of that, um, I don't know. I'm not sure what's really being transacted psychologically. Um, mm. uh, that that it's it's it just is like this sort of this this sort of intense experience in service of like thinking that you you that having some sort of intense experience, right? Like where someone makes you feel bad about yourself is, uh, is good, but Hey, you know what? Existence precedes essence, right? You want to, you want to build, <laughs> build your own Eiffel tower out of straws. You know what I mean? Like the, the company pays, you know, uh, people with master's degrees in organizational behavior, a, a good salary to come up with those pointless exercises for you to do at the offsites. So, like uh Viacondios is is my attitude. I will it. say, have you have you have you gone to a bunch of offsites where you have to do stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. I love that stuff, but I'm also <laughs> frequently the only person who like is really enthusiastic about doing it. And there are so many times where it's just been like 
Peter do uh, do the thing. It just takes me back to like elementary school. Oh yeah, that's like projects. that's group project. Uh, oh, yeah. I had group projects like that in college. You know, yeah. where it's just like you know what, I'm just gonna write this forty page paper because you know I, none of you are are really none of you as as a uh, as a straw architect. None of you are really working at my level. You know? <laughs> Are you are you a Neon Genesis Evangelion fan and all that? So we're talking about human instrumentalities. So I believe much. those are I believe those are words. Those are words. Great, excellent. They are in fact. They are not related words, but they do coalesce into a certain. Uh, it's an anime. It's an it's a very famous uh, mecha anime um, okay. uh, about uh, little children who are put into giant robots that have to do battle against giant monsters, uh, and it has a very weird and psychologically intense uh finale and the person making it whilst making it was i believe suffering from rather deep and intense depression sure. um and and it includes something called I mean, the human P- instrumentality in, project in a lot of in a lot of ways we all are uh little children placed inside giant mechas who have to do battle with uh yeah. who have to do battle with one another you know each of um, us is a Lord Krang entirely to himself, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's Walt Whitman who said that. He said, Shredder, get me my new body. Uh. <laughs> um, but I think I think the gist of the human instrumentality project in Neon Genesis Evangelion, as different from the one in the men's boot camp on U- USA Today that we're talking about, right, is right. that all of the souls of humanity are to be reunited around this egg. Sorry, spoilers uh, from this this monster egg. And are supposed to be sort of evened out, like like humanity is supposed to cease to exist as individual beings. A lot of this has to do with like kids who are traumatized by losing their moms and who have kind of like horrible wounds, psychological wounds and losses. And the idea that the Humans Instrumentality Project causes your weaknesses to be compensated for by the strengths of others that you get combined with into one existence. Right. So it's it's a it's a sort of pod people ish kind of thing. Um, in the sense that like your individuality is expunged and you're you're more useful for whatever purpose you would be attended to, but you are less yourself. Right. And and it is insulting and hurtful as somebody who is you know wrestling with pain of that sort to think that it's making you less of what people want from you. Because it's not like you want it either. Right. Like the idea of like, oh, I can't I can't be as good at my job because I'm suffering from this depression. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of it either. You can complain to me about it, but I don't like it either. Um, but also like if you were just to erase me and force it to be different, I feel like you know, that's there's a whole sort of question of a front there as well. Um, and so but we're talking about instrumentality, not in the sense of the people themselves. Well, I mean, we've talked about we've talked about human instrumentality in the sense of mobilizing people for political purposes, like our big march on Tacoma that's going to happen, our march on Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, we're going to get as far as Idaho would be like, I really regret my choices. <laughs> like, I have to change it's so views a cold. bunch of times. It's so it's, cold. Oh, <laughs> there's not goodness. even sidewalks in half of these places we've been walking. Um, we semis semis, semis are passing us on the United States highways. and. <laughs> You know, honking and and it's yep. so unpleasant. But like, yeah, we've talked, and even of course we've talked about you know boot camps that exist 
to for you know because the people who are going to them have to do a specific thing, right? Like there's a thing that needs to get done. You're going to the boot camp, so you're getting prepared to do the thing. Right. And then there's also the idea of like you're going to the boot camp. You don't know what you're being prepared for, but you're being prepared for something, which is weird, right? Which is like you know, oh man, you're going to go and and we're going to have a great time. We're going to sing songs, and you're going to leave with a copy of Dianetics under your arm or whatever, right? Like, and it's like, oh man. Um, and then we've also talked about like you go to the boot camp, and the point is that the boot camp itself is fun, mm-hmm. right? Like the boot camp is the thing; it's a vacation. It's like you're going there uh, to have an adventure, to have something happen to you, uh, to go out and, and and experience something. But then we've also talked about the boot camp where you go out because you're bringing yourself with you, but you're not comfortable with the idea of not being tortured or tested in some way before you're allowed to spend time with your own feelings, right? Like uh, um, all of these different relationships, we like, what is the instrumentality? What is the thing that is being accomplished? Um, <laughs> I mean, is there is there a particular boot camp or retreat that you wish you could go on? I feel like retreats really suffer during the pandemic, and it's the only thing that suffered during the pandemic that I haven't heard anybody talk about, because we've all talked about everything else. But like, no one was like, man, I've really been isolated for a long time. I really need a weekend to go do yoga, you know, like in the middle of the time that I've spent two years sitting in my house alone, like looking at yoga YouTube videos. Um, but I don't know, like, because you don't feel, I guess, the isolation, right? It's like, retreats feel like they have more of a purpose when you're more always in the presence of other people. I don't know. I'm yeah, curious I well, I mean, that's, you, yeah, right. Cause everyone was kind of like, you were, you were sort of forced into a retreat. I mean, there was yeah. even, there was even this kind of thing. There was this concept of like during the championship season of like my bubble, my pandemic bubble. Right. And right, that right, got right. like, okay, we're going to, we're going to reform society, Pete. We're yes, going to build yes. it from the ground up with only I the people that we straws, want. Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Only the good people. <laughs> and that's like, um, so we got to do the, uh, uh, you know, so, so we got to like have our, our pandemic bubble and it's just like, we're going to reform society only with the people who like live on our block or go to our school or whatever. And that like, so that, that was kind of the, uh, the, like the, the walled garden aspect of, of a retreat. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know there's a, there's a combination between retreating and, and fasting. I'll say, I'll say personally, like I, uh, see, I, I hate because these things get like Instagramified with like hashtags and things like this, but I'll say I, I, I fast from alcohol in the first like six or seven weeks of the year, um, which is practice I, uh, find like qu- quite helpful, quite useful in my life and, and highly recommend to anyone who, you know, um, who wishes to do, who wishes to try it that like, uh, that there's, there's an aspect, there's an aspect in like a retreat of like a, of a reset, uh, whether it's for your liver or for your mind, I guess. And that like, I don't know, I think of, of spiritual retreats. Cause like I, you know, I like you was raised Catholic and, and there's a definite like, uh, retreat culture in Catholicism of like going away to like a, a spiritual center that's in some like beautiful mountain location or like on the shore or something like that. And like, you know, you can sit and like meditate and, and journal and the idea is to kind of like to uh to unplug and reset to kind of like to to connect with something to connect with something deeper to sort of connect with something that's that's on on your level i've like wanted to do you know silent meditation retreats and uh and things like that and again that has the the aspect um that has the aspect of like 
I don't know, like a, a retreat has an aspect of a fast, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to fast from, you know, I don't know, reading the news or something like that, social media, right? Like uh, uh, your your job, your everyday concerns and things in order to go and, and um, c- connect with something more profound, connect with something like deeper than the, the kind of day-to-day concerns. Um, concerns that you have, or you're going to like, I don't know, like stop, uh, lots of cultures have like periods of periods of fast. Like a lot of religions have like a, a month of fast or something like that, that, that where, you know, the point is, um, you know, the point is you kind of like strip something away and take it, uh, get, get in, in, in connection with something deeper. Uh, so appropriate that in the pandemic, we didn't do it because we all felt kind of stripped down. We all felt like a, a little bit reduced <laughs> to, yeah. to, uh, uh, to an essence. Um, and that, that like, uh, but, but, uh, I mean, the, the one, the, I don't know, the one that I would, the one that I would like to go on now. I don't know. I wish I, I, I wish I had like uninterrupted time. Uh, and I'm not even a parent, right? Like I wish I had uninterrupted time to work on on projects. I would love to go on a reading retreat. I I say this because I'm sitting at my desk doing this, and I'm looking over at a side table over against the wall that has a stack of about eight books. That these are like the books that I want to read next, you oh. know. And that like I'd like to go on a reading retreat <laughs> where I could just sit and uh, you know I don't know have a nice chaise long or something like that, and and uh, have someone bring me you know, really nice hot coffee and, uh, sit and enjoy, uh, book after book, novel, uh, history, work of sociology, you know, work of popular science. Like that's, uh, that, that sounds like paradise. Doesn't that sound like heaven, Pete? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, you can have that. Okay. But there's a six, one, 240 pound dude with a big old plastic stick. That's just going to hit you. And that's going to make the experience better. Like you're gonna, Cause then it's going to be a boot camp. Gonna, <laughs> wait, is there any, is there, is there any book on there that you want to shout out a book that is on your stack of books to read that you want to like shout out to people as something that's on your radar and see if any of our listeners feel good about it or, uh, are excited about it or can support you in your efforts to find time and place to actually read it. Um, <laughs> um, or let you know it's terrible and that you shouldn't read it at all. Yeah, but, uh, sure. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a book called, uh, called sea state by, um, Tabitha Lassley or Lossley, uh, mm-hmm. who is a, a British journalist who went to, into Scotland and kind of embedded with men. Actually, this is about masculinity. This book, ah. uh, embedded with men who worked on oil rigs and Ooh. wrote a book of kind of sort of ethnography, uh, or, you know, maybe slightly sociology or something about the culture of, uh, of and, and how the kind of the larger society copes with. Um, like how marriages cope with how, you know, families cope with, um, men who work on oil rigs who like go off to the oil rig for, for weeks and weeks at, at a time. Um, I don't know, really, I've, I read some reviews of it. It sounded very interesting. Uh, I read about the first 50 pages of it. It is indeed fascinating. And I, <laughs> and it is also kind of demanding. It's a book that doesn't sort of, uh, it doesn't patronize you. It doesn't like, um, uh, try to flatter, um, small intellects, you know? And so you, you, uh, you kind of have to like, show up you can't show up tired you know like right. like like going to the box p 
Pete. Like, yeah. uh, you know, you can't, you, you gotta like, uh, organize your, you organize yourself so that you are kind of bringing your best self, uh, to read it. And like, uh, by the way, that's not a knock on it. It actually rewards when you bring that, that effort to it. This is a book I found that, that rewards that, but I have not been able to, uh, I have not been able to, to dip deeper, uh, into it. There's a, uh, there's a good book for you. I don't know. You, you have, you have something else that, that you want to, uh, you have a book to, to recommend here on our reading retreat here? No, um, I don't think so. I did finally, I did finish the last Ronin. I've been hiding it from my son. So he doesn't see that I have a hyper violent Ninja Turtles comic. <laughs> hanging around the house. <laughs> but we talked about the last Ronin a couple of podcasts ago and I managed to get myself a copy of it and read it. Yeah, no, I mean, I've got books. I've got a pile of books that I'm never going to read. I think that are sitting on my nightstand that it's just like, yeah, I don't think, you know what, actually the book that I have here that I'm going to, that my wife got me here. Let me grab it. Let me grab it. Okay. I, this is related to me to the phenomenon of like, uh, of like, you know, it, it's a different Matt who like ordered the DVDs from Netflix than the Matt that like at the, at the end of the day, you know, tired and, and, uh, uh, kind of like burnt out, wanted to like, I wanted to put in a DVD from Netflix, yeah. right? Because like ordering DVD from Netflix, uh, Matt was like, yes, three hours of Kurosawa's Seven Samurai sounds, sounds heavenly to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, night, uh, night, uh, Matt was like, uh, you know what? If I turn on TNT, I can watch like 14 law and orders in a row. And that's, uh, those are fundamentally <laughs> different people, smart Matt and dumb Matt. If, if you want to say what, what do you have, Pete? What, what book so, have you so brought this, to the, to so the book retreat? I, I will preface this by saying, and one of the things that the champion season, championship season really showed us all was, uh, the ways that we set up tiny, impassable obstacles for ourselves in doing even the simplest of tasks to our own benefit. So I have a, a nice comfy chair down here in the near my office where I record, and uh, and 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 I've resolved on many occasions to take some of the time that I do spend, you know, on my phone or not particularly restfully in repose, instead sitting in the comfy chair and reading. Uh, which would be lovely, and sh- I should do it immediately after I'm done recording this podcast. And I have a book that I have even put by the comfy chair that is going to be my comfy chair book when I take time to sit in the comfy chair. And it's a book that I got, I believe, for Christmas from my wife, uh, which is called Knowing What We Know, The Transmission of Knowledge from Ancient Wisdom to Modern Magic by a guy by the name of Simon Winchester. Um, and it's 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 got pictures on the front. I mean – you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but, you know, covers can be informative, right? It's got pictures of cuneiform, of ENIAC, of radio, you know, of like all these different modes. Of, it's got Native American uh, sort of um, what are you? I, I, presumably I will learn the terminology for these different modes of recording and disseminating knowledge. But I think that's what it's about is about, uh, you know, the, well, the knowing what we know, like. What we what we actually have written down, and what different societies have at different times had written down, or Hannah had written down, and how it goes from person to person. I don't know if this Simon Winchester guy is any good. I don't know if this book's any good. My wife got it on a whim, thinking that it might be something I would like. I was excited to get it as a gift because it looked like it'd be something that I'd like, and it's been sitting here by the comfy chair for a time when I love myself enough to actually do the thing with my free time that I always tell myself I want to do. Um, and so, uh, that could be my retreat. That could be my boot camp. 
is uh, I'll just I'll go into the 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 home gym and do a whole bunch of burpees, and then I can come out and allow myself to sit in my comfy chair and read this nice book, uh, and uh, and then I will have done something sufficiently masculine so as not to feel ashamed of my time spent relaxing <laughs> and, and emotionally and and intellectually enriching myself. I think just based um, on the reputation of Simon Winchester, Simon Winchester wrote a book about the the authorship of the OED called The Professor and the Madman um, that I, you know, that I read a while back that, you know, and I think just based on just based on reputation, you're, you know, you're likely to enjoy uh, you're likely to enjoy it, but you'd enjoy it more if a six foot one, 240 pound man came <laughs> and hit you with a plastic stick over the back five or six times <laughs> oh, over yeah. the. Because then it's a boot camp. That's the thing is that it becomes a boot camp and then it I, means something. Sort of. I don't know. Like the, the, I'm familiar <laughs> with that in like Zen, in Zen retreats where the, mm-hmm. you know, you get like beat with a bamboo cane or something like that. And right. the, you know, not to be like whipped to like raise welts on your back, but just to like, you know, just to knock you around a little, like just to kind of create yeah. a, a slightly adverse stimulus. And I, my understanding of it is that the, the goal of that particular thing in that context is it to kind of like make it impossible for you not to contemplate nothingness yeah. <laughs> right like you place you place the the pupil in a training situation that is sort of so difficult that your mind that you kind of have to let go of your narratives right. um you know you have to like uh really kind of be, become present in in some way and that's uh you know that's that's the role of the man with the with the stick um the, the man with the stick beating you, uh, beating you on the back. All right, maggots, have we <laughs> have we turned you into overthinkers? You know, I think it's I think it's time to turn you loose on the on the world. We begin our march on Washington. Are you ready, Pete? Are you ready to begin your march on Washington? First, we cross the Massachusetts Turnpike. Then. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. You haven't told me what it means to be a man yet, Matt. I need someone to tell me that first so I feel motivated to do these self-destructive things. Then we trek across (laughs) upstate New York to Buffalo. (laughs) Then we cross the border at Niagara Falls. such a long way. (laughs) Through London into Detroit. We go from Detroit, Ann Arbor, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We skirt around Chicago. We don't want the traffic. We're on foot. Joliet, <laughs> Davenport, Des Moines, Omaha, it's Nebraska. It's like the worst Manhattan transfer song ever. Oh my God. Up through Sioux City. We're going to hit 90 again. Why did we leave 90? We started on the Massachusetts Turnpike. I don't understand. We're going to go through Sturgis, but it's not the rally there. It's too cold right now too many people have died overthinkers have fallen by the wayside we get to another buffalo this one in wyoming as we turn north (laughs) into billings montana and we turn west again butte montana missoula uh spokane washington we're here we get to the washington monument everybody we're there on the national mall it's all gonna be 
to be worth it. We've continued down <laughs> to the thing and finally hit the mighty Pacific Olympia uh, National Park or Olympic National Park uh, and Olympic National Forest in Washington. Our march on Washington has yep. been complete. And yep. which is more, you'll be a man, my son. All right. That's the Overthinking <laughs> Podcast. Thanks for listening, Pete. Thanks for going on this journey of reclaiming our masculinity with Oh, yeah. Me. We'll be with uh we'll be here back next week for our for our next retreat, our next march on on somewhere. Maybe Winnipeg. Maybe Calgary. <laughs> you wanna to go to Manitoba, man? <laughs> go to Hamilton. I hear they drink chocolate milk outside. It's great. Uh until then you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, it probably doesn't, doesn't. Dinner.